The Bible reading is from Mark 5, 21 to 43. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realised at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jarius, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jarius, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means... Little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Good morning. Can I add my welcome to people who are visiting or are here for the first time? And... Um, had a nice surprise, my in-laws turned up this morning, so it was lovely to see them on their way home from holidays um, as well. This morning we're going to look at the second half of Mark chapter 5. Last week Steve, he spoke about the demon-possessed man who fell at the feet of Jesus, recognising his power. In today's passage, Jairus, a synagogue leader, 
and a desperate, bleeding woman also come to Jesus and fall at his feet. The passage today is known as the Periocope, a story sandwiched within a story. And here each one contains 11 verses. Next week for Father's Day, Steve will look at Jairus and the request of Jesus to heal his daughter. Today I'm just looking at the middle story, um, the story of the unnamed woman. To see the significance of Jesus' interaction with her, we need to first understand what life was like in the world she lived in. Blessed art thou who did not make me a Gentile. Blessed art thou who did not make me an uncultured person. And blessed art thou who did not make me a woman. And the Greeks were not much better. I give thanks firstly that I was born a human and not a creature. Secondly, a man and not a woman. And thirdly, a Greek and not a barbarian. I hope I won't hear an amen to any of those today. <laughs> Women had grown up with prayers such as these being said by the church. Still today, I'm not sure if we have fulfilled the equality that Paul talks about in Galatians 3.28. So there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles between slaves and free people, between men and women. You are all one in union with Christ Jesus. We have come a long way with religious differences, with slavery being abolished in Western culture, but women still do not enjoy equality around the world or in our country, in our town and perhaps even within our church. We see many women in God's word and still today who've struggled, who've been trapped, who've been in pain, who've been crippled physically, emotionally and socially, who've been set free by the unconditional acceptance of Jesus' love, his mercy and his grace. This message has restored them to an intimate relationship with the living God for which they were born to have. Its impact has been revolutionary. Its message of love is timeless. The impact Jesus had on society as he loved the women he encountered, particularly those who were the most disadvantaged, the most shunned and the most sinful, was miraculous and revolutionary. And it still can and should be today. Just a bit of background. This woman isn't named which brings a universality to her story. It could be any woman suffering. She's possibly in her mid to late 20s. She suffers from a medical condition that causes her to hemorrhage and bleed very often. Back in this time, any woman in her menstrual cycle was said to be unclean and their husbands didn't touch them in any way during this time. No one would sit on a chair they'd used until a ritualistic rite had been performed to make it clean again. Therefore, this woman's condition always made her unclean, always defiled, always contaminated and always alienated. 
This woman's husband probably would have left her or at best wouldn't be living with her if she was even married. She wouldn't experience the touch of affection of another. Chances are she couldn't have children or they would have died at birth. This woman did not enjoy the conveniences of our modern day society for her hygiene. The woman would have somehow had to tie rags around herself and hold them in place. She was literally in rags, awful, smelly rags. This would have caused her to stoop over when she walked. Over the years, she would not have been able to stand up straight. She would not venture out much, and if she did, she would always be dirty, as the roads were dusty, and she would have been walking low and close to the ground. If anyone touched this woman, or they hurt even by accident, the law of the day said they too would be contaminated and become unclean. It was better she stay indoors if she was fortunate enough to have such a shelter. Any money she had spent had been spent on treatments from the doctors of the day who in this society were the religious officials of the day. The doctors consulted a religious document, the Talmud, to find the best treatment for such ailments. One such treatment was for the sick person was to carry about a barley corn which had been extracted from the dung of a white she-ass. I think that's a donkey. If you found some dung, how would you know it was from a white she-ass? And why did it have to be a white one? And was that more pure? And I'll bet the doctors who prescribed it didn't collect the barley corn. The treatments were more humiliating than the condition. But one day, she heard a buzz around town because some guy, some teacher was coming to town who supposedly had healed many people on his travels. After much umming and ahhing, curiosity got the better of her, so she decided to check out what was going on. And she thought there couldn't be too much harm in that. Everyone seemed to be focused on this guy, not on her. So cautiously she went out into the street where a crowd was gathering. I now am going to read a reflection. You might like to close your eyes, although that's risky, isn't it? Um, it's a reflection of putting yourself in the um, situation, in the place of the woman. I heave a sigh. I'm here. I hover at the edge of the crowd. No one's noticing me. That's unusual. If they had, there would have been a huge commotion and they would have sent me away recoiling and cursing at my presence, as has happened many times before. But today, something about this man has the crowd so spellbound that just for a change, I'm just one of the crowd. I am enjoying this anonymity. I press closer to get a glimpse of this guy. If only I could stand up. A noisy group of men block my view. Deep within me, I begin to wonder, what if he could heal me too? No, no point, but, but the thought would not go away. 
Deep down, I begin to believe this man can heal my condition. As I wrestle with this, I hear a familiar voice of an official from the synagogue pleading with the man to come and heal his daughter, who is very sick. I hear the man agree, and all of a sudden, the crowd picks up pace as they follow the teacher. Struck, I better keep moving or I'll miss my chance. Chance? Did I really believe that? I thought if I could just touch the hem of his clothes, and that was easiest for me anyway, no one would notice, and I could maybe be healed and be on my way. Besides, what did I have to lose? But was I going to get the opportunity? Suddenly the group in front of me shifted. It was all I needed, it's now or never. Crouching low with dust being flicked in my eyes, I stretch out my arm, my fingers reaching, reaching, trying to touch the hem of his garment when, yes, I feel it. I've done it. I stop as the crowd continues on. I feel a warmth flow through me, something I've never felt before. My skin's tingling and shivering as it goes through my body like a current flushing out all my pain and sickness. And I slowly, slowly stand up for the first time in 12 years, feeling strong and able. I'm amazed and I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I'm just standing here, unable to move, pinching myself to make sure I'm not dreaming when I notice the crowd has stopped and I hear a question cut through the air. Who touched my robe? And I freeze. My amazement turns to fear and I hear the crowd muttering and sniggering, who touched him? He must be joking. There's people everywhere pressing in on him. I might have. Yeah, how ridiculous. His followers say, come on, Jesus, you have to be kidding Look how many people are here. I think, yeah, just move on. But he doesn't. What do I do? If I tell him it was me, they'll all scoff and be disgusted as they know who I am. They'll be horrified I've touched this good man and defiled him in the process. He will tell me off for touching the holy part of his garment and yet I know I am well and I could perhaps thank him. Whatever, I just have to own up because he's not moving on. Oh, but why does he have to know? He'll probably only humiliate me like everyone else. I finally step forward trembling and as I do, I hear murmurs from the crowd as it backs away. It's her. Oh, no, she's touched him. She's going to cop it now. She looks different. I walk up to him and as I kneel at his feet I tell him it was me and I clumsily explain to him that I knew if I only touched you I could be healed and I am and I brace myself for the scolding words of reprimand but they do not come. Tears flow down my face as I hear the most gentle, beautiful words I have ever heard in my life. 
my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be healed of your trouble. Your suffering is over. My daughter are words I will never forget. Those words restored my health, my social standing, my dignity, and they gave me a family. This man, Jesus, was on his way to heal an official's daughter and he stopped to see who touched him and it was me. A powerful story of hope, of healing and of restoration. This man, Jesus, was on his way to heal an official's daughter and he stopped to see who touched him. And it was a woman possibly like you or me, (laughs) a woman needing a touch of healing from the son of the almighty God. But this morning, let's not restrict that to gender. Why did Jesus stop and ask who touched him that day? Why didn't he just let the woman go on her way, happily healed? Why does he do this? He must have known she would feel embarrassed. But he persistently asks, who touched me? I believe he wanted the crowd to be in no doubt that his mission was not just to heal, but to ultimately restore relationships. Shia owns up and to gasps of horror from the crowd in the background, he gives her the most beautiful, honoured title she could ever have dreamed of, my daughter. She's the only person addressed by Jesus as my daughter in the whole Bible. And those words, I'm sure, she never forgot. Those words restored her health, her social standing, her dignity, and they gave her a family. Not only did he want her to to heal her, but he wanted all to know that she was related, that she was a part of his family. She could have walked away happily healed, but not restored to the relationship for which she was created, to be a daughter of the Most High God. I wonder how often we walk away and miss out on hearing the most wonderful words we could ever hear. My daughter, my son. We are adopted into the family by what Jesus did when he died on the cross. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you and as his own children, now we call him Abba, Father. And in Ephesians 1, 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Yet so often we can find it difficult to believe that God wants to call us his child. Sometimes we find ourselves in dark places by our own choices, sometimes purely because of our circumstances. And these experiences can range from abandonment, loneliness, boredom, disappointment, confusion, abuse, physical pain, divorce, separation, rejection, shame, loss, grief or death. They can cause us to question God, to ask why and to say, if you love me, God, how come this has happened? 
We realise we've falsely believed he only promises good things to those who love him. And unfortunately, sometimes those in our church family can add to those wounds and the pain and we can find it hard to trust them with it. Our challenge as a church, I've been reading Anne Voskamp's The Broken Way and she shares some of her personal story of hurting within a church. So this is her, her quote. As a child in church, I was hurting because of how sick my mother was with mental illness. I sat among people who worship God, lovely people, but I felt so alone. As a kid sitting there, what I wanted was the whole church to say all together like one body. We are hurting for there is not even one of us who hasn't lost something, who doesn't fear something, who doesn't ache with something. I wanted us to turn to the hurting, to each other, and promise this until we are hoarse. We won't give you some cliche, but something to cling to, and that will mean our hands. We won't give you some platitudes, but some place for your pain, and that will mean our time. We won't give you some excuses, but will be some example. And that will mean bending down and washing your wounds. And we won't pretend we have it all together and are not in need of healing ourselves. And that will mean sharing with you honestly our pain. Wounds that we don't understand, wounds that keep festering, that don't heal, that downright stink, wounds that can never make us turn away. Jesus is often referred to as a wounded healer and so because we are part of his body and we are the people who believe the impossible, those wounds can be openings to the beauty within. Can we be the people who say there's no shame saying that your heart and head are broken because there's a doctor in the house? It's the wisest and the bravest who cry for help when lost or when they are struggling. There's no stigma in saying you're sick because there's a wounded healer here who uses nails to buy freedom and crosses to resurrect hope and medicine or his power to make miracles. As a young child, I wanted the brave to speak up, to speak the truth and love and say you can be different and you can struggle, and you can wrestle, and you can hurt, and we will be here because the fallen world keeps falling apart. And even though we, the body, can't make things turn out right, we can turn up. Just keep turning up, showing up, looking up. If we only knew what trial every person is facing, there isn't one person we wouldn't help fight their trial with the weapon and power of a greater love. She says, my mum did come home from hospital. I found grace, a thousand endless graces and a broken way through. And it is by grace, not works, that we are saved. Grace adopting us into a family that no brokenness can ever remove us from. 
I dare you to write on the walls of your church and across those wounds of your people. No shame, no hiding, no fear. Always safe for the suffering here. Is our church about this? At times it may be, but I know that there are many here who would perhaps say that it's not. The invitation is always there for us to reach out and touch Jesus. But are we creating a safe place for people to do that? The disciples didn't want Jesus to be interrupted by just anyone. After all, they were on their way to an official's house. Let's not block people coming to touch Jesus. This morning, what is it that you are needing from Jesus? If he was here in the flesh today and you reached out and touched him, what in your life would he heal? There are many within our church dealing with many challenges, with physical or mental health, relationships, loneliness, grief, fear of getting old, of the unknown, spiritual dryness, just to name a few. At the end of the service, there'll be an opportunity to receive prayer for what it is you are needing this morning. It might be you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but the invitation is always there for us to reach out and to touch him. I know our Father, the Lord God Almighty, is wanting to wrap you in his big, safe and loving arms. The question is, do we believe this? Are we prepared to take the risk and reach out and touch the living Lord, believing as that woman did? She needed and chose to let go of what others thought and come. And there are times in our life when so do we. I know I often say to myself, oh, there are more here needing help than me, or I'll be all right. But actually, it's not about you or me. It's about allowing God an opportunity to do what he does best, to heal and to reveal his glory. Don't deny one another, our family, the body that. In his gospel, Mark loves to tell many stories of healing. These stories are a powerful witness to the healing power and love of God. Our stories are also important and too can be a testimony to the healing power, love, grace and mercy of our God. When we come, unlike the bleeding woman and Jairus, kneel at his feet and reach out to him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who wants an intimate relationship with us. You ask us to come to you, to reach out to you. And by so doing, God, you assure us that you will respond with your love, with your mercy and your grace, sometimes with your healing, sometimes just with your presence. Lord, there are many here this morning who are dealing with 
big ob obstacles ahead, both in health and emotionally. Father, I pray that each this morning will be able to reach out to you and receive the healing that they need or receive whatever it is that you want to give them this morning. Give us the courage to reach out. And may we be a church who creates the opportunity for people to safely reach out, to ask for assistance, to ask for prayer, to ask for healing. Lord, we thank you for, for who you are, for your love, for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for stories like this that can inspire and encourage us in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before the, this worship team come, that invitation is again offered at the end of the service, either if you would like, if you have something you want to ask God or touch God, have a touch of God from this morning, you can either come forward or gather a few people around you in your seat where you are. But let's um, pray the Holy Spirit will move. I know this story this morning as I was preparing has been a real challenge to me. So I'm going to be waiting for someone to come and pray with me this morning. Thank you.